This isn't the final week of recruiting. We got two more shows to go until signing day, but it is decision week for some key recruits, including five-star offensive tackle Samson Okunlola, four-star DB Javian Toviano, and four-star edge Ruben Bain. This is the Inside Scoop. I'm your host, Josh Newberg. J.D. Pakel riding shotgun with me today. How you feeling? Man, I'm good. Signing is around the corner. It's getting down to the nitty-gritty. About to find out where some of these big-time prospects are going. Happy riding shotgun with you, brother. All right, here we go. Let's bring on Director of Recruiting for On3, Chad Simmons, to the show. Uh, Chad, I know it is going to be a busy week for you. I want to talk about a guy, though, that is trending for Georgia, and that's five-star edge Damon Wilson out of Venice, Florida. A week ago, the recruiting prediction machine showed that Ohio State was the leader. So I got to ask you, what has happened in the last week for Georgia to be trending here? Uh, maybe the public has maybe caught up a little bit to what's been going on. Georgia, I think, has been trending somewhat quietly uh, over the last few weeks. You know, I think obviously it's been tight. Ohio State was at one time the clear front runner earlier in the fall but uh, as Georgia got him on campus a couple of times mid to late season uh, things started trending their direction and obviously last week Ryan Day and Larry Johnson go uh, in for their final in-home visit then Kirby Smart um, Deribe and Glenn Schumann uh, go the next day and I still hear more about Georgia I don't think Damon's told either camp uh, yes or no just yet. Now he'll be set to go on December 21st and pick the Georgia Bulldogs or the Ohio State Buckeyes. Right now, like you said, things are trending towards Georgia. Yeah, and Georgia already has five-star Samuel and Pimba committed, four-star defensive end Gabe Harris. Is Georgia on the verge of landing one of the best defensive line classes in America? They have a real shot, Josh, for sure. I mean, they're, they're still out there trying to also flip Sidere Mitchell, trying to land Jordan Hall. Um, that They're not done. Listen, they hope they're not done uh, with this defensive line, but they've done a great job with Damon. And, you know, going back to what you asked before, Damon, you know, loves that fit at Georgia, the scheme, uh, how they play, playing in the SEC, the competition he'd be up against not only weekly, but every day uh, at Georgia's practices as well. So uh, they are on the verge of signing elite talent on that defensive line, maybe the best group in the country up front. Chad, two-part question for you here. First, is Georgia slowly but surely becoming the new Bama? What I mean by that is, obviously, Nick Saban is the GOAT. Alabama's been on a run of titles, but it feels like the tide is shifting, no pun intended, towards Georgia. Are you getting any of that? Second part question, are you sleeping at all right now with signing day around the corner? You know, to answer the second part first, I mean, you know, I try to get my beauty rest in when I can. You know, you had to, you have to stay rested a little bit to, to really stay alert and keep up with what's going on. But, yeah, I mean, obviously it's busy times. I mean, with so many guys committing now throughout the year and not quite as many all at once on signing as it maybe it was a decade or more ago, uh, it's not too, too bad late. But now you're trying to figure out maybe last-minute visits, who could flip potentially uh, along with those guys that are still uncommitted. But going back to the Georgia part, I mean, you're starting to hear about that quote-unquote dog dynasty uh, being built by Kirby Smart. And, you know, obviously Kirby learned, you know, from the best. You know, Nick Saban, he knows what it takes. I mean, Kirby's an SEC guy through and through. He's from South Georgia. He played high school ball for his father, an old school, you know, go get it. He has that, that drive within. And he, his players feel that from him, that energy. He wants to build that. 
Uh, and he's on the right track. You know, obviously Georgia playing for a national championship in year two under Kirby Smart, winning the first one last year, played in multiple SEC championship games, have won a couple now, and now trying to win back-to-back -back national championships. Georgia, we know they're getting the talent and they're starting to win those games. And if you win those games and you have that talent, you're building a dynasty. Chad, five-star Oregon quarterback commitment, Dante Moore visits UCLA over the weekend. Now I saw the news come out on Friday, kind of, kind of perked my interest. Anytime you have a long time committed five-star QB taking a visit two weeks before signing day, it's gonna cause some concern for Duck fans. But Chad, my question to you is how significant was this visit to UCLA for more? You know, at this stage, any visit is significant. You know, these guys are trying to make their decisions and final decisions. And obviously more has not changed anything with Oregon. I think there's still some confidence there uh, that he sticks with Oregon. But Chip Kelly, you know, getting him on campus, getting him to L.A. We know how important NIL deals are now. And I'm told that that UCLA has laid out a strong offer uh, for Dante Moore if he goes and plays in Westwood for the Bruins. And, you know, I don't think based on what I'm hearing that Dante Moore is done. I do think he'll take at this point another official visit this coming weekend to where um, he liked to keep that as quiet as he can. Maybe it's not decided yet, but I've heard, you know, a school like Ohio State could get him on campus this weekend. Let's just see what happens in the next five, six days with Dante. But I do think things went well based on what I'm hearing on both both sides for UCLA and Dante Moore over the weekend. I do think, again, there's still confidence in Eugene that he stays with Oregon at this time. But again, nothing's done till these young men sign those papers on the 21st of December. And Oregon will likely have to sweat this out until that day. So what do you do if you're Dan Lanning in this position? What can you do? What do you do? You try to hold on. You do all you can to keep that relationship going. Obviously, they had the new OC in place. Uh, there's been some strong communication there between him and Dante Moore uh, right away. Uh, you know, you're also hearing with Oregon, you know, potentially DJ Uagalele. You know, he's a transfer guy from from Clemson. You're looking for the next home. That name has come up as well. Um, so, uh, obviously, Oregon's in play with a younger brother, Mateo. Could that be a package deal? Uh, there's other things floating out there, too. But I think the number one priority right now, without question, is keeping Dante Moore for Dan Lanning. But uh, with, as Dante Moore looks around, Lanning has to have that backup plan as well. Chad, the most alarming part about the Dante Moore visit to UCLA for me, if I'm an Oregon Duck fan, is Dante Moore had to make some effort to get out to the West Coast and go to UCLA. How legitimate do you feel like that visit was in terms of them being a player for him when it comes to signing day? And do you think we get a decision from him before signing day or some action happens flip-wise, if any? Yeah, I mean, as far as action, I'd be a little surprised if anything if anything did change for Dante. I'd be a little bit surprised if it doesn't happen on signing day. Now, anything's possible, and, you know, only that tight circle in the Dante Moore camp around Detroit knows kind of what's going on, and, and they still may not know exactly the details, where he may be, uh, if he goes anywhere this coming weekend, and uh, if anything does change, maybe what the time frame may be there, but uh, I, I do think the visit is significant. Dante Moore's not a guy 
that just goes on a visit to go on a visit. He doesn't go just to go do a photo shoot. He doesn't go just to look and hang out with coaches. His time is valuable to him. He just won a second state championship. Even in the summer, he wasn't just tripping just to trip. He went because he had a plan in place. He wanted to evaluate that school and figure out where he wanted to be for the next three, four, five years. So with me knowing Dante uh, and his mentality and how serious he is about this process, any visit he takes is a very significant and important visit uh, for him and his family. All right, the Florida Gators later this week are hoping to join the five-star club, meaning land their first five-star in the 2023 cycle. And they have a shot as five-star offensive tackle Samson Okunlola is set to make his decision on Thursday. Uh, Chad, you've done a great job of covering his recruitment through and through. This past weekend, he was in Gainesville making his second visit to UF in, in a month. What do you make of it, and what are you hearing coming out of this trip? You know, the biggest thing I'm hearing probably, Josh, is there's still confidence in Gainesville that they're in that top spot. You know, obviously there's still days to go uh, before Samson announces that decision. You know, I think Miami's going to go hard. Uh, until that time and maybe even harder uh, after that announcement if he doesn't pick Miami to try to change his mind on signing day. I do think it's down to Florida and Miami. There's been other schools thrown out there like Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan mm -hmm. State, some other programs. But uh, I do think this is a battle late between Florida, Billy Napier, and Mario Cristobal at Miami. The confidence, I think, has grown over the last month or so at the University of Florida. Um, Miami definitely hasn't gone away, but I think Samson's first time at the swamp with his family, he just left feeling good about that atmosphere, that environment, that culture. And we, we know with Samson, I mean, he's the pancake honcho. He's hashtagged that. He's there built that brand. So we know that NIL is a factor for him his brand, how he can be branded on the next level. Uh, so that's in play as well. And we think Florida and Miami are both pretty close with our NIL deal. So if they're close with the NIL deals, it likely comes down to where he feels best at on campus. This is another significant NIL battle between Miami and Florida. We've kind of seen it play out in both their favors. Cormani McLean goes to Miami after a big battle between UF and Miami. Jaden Rashada flips from Miami to UF after committing to the Canes. Now, both these were huge NIL battles. This is kind of like the rubber match here. Do you think whoever lands Samson Okunlola truly makes a statement when it comes to the NIL position of the teams in Florida? Yeah, I mean, I think both obviously want to win this third, like you said, the rubber match. You know, I think it's a little <laughs> bit more important based on what I'm hearing maybe to Miami and Mario Cristobal, who had a tough season on the on the field. Uh, they've lost some battles. Obviously, I think they take it personal that Florida flipped Jaden Rashada from them uh, after Rashada picked Miami over them uh, in July. Um, so, yeah, I think, but, but based on what I'm told, I mean, Miami is a little more bigger on this deal that, than, than Florida is. Florida is looking at like any other major battle. They want to win this. They want to build. They have some good interior offensive linemen. They feel Lola could be a big piece at tackle for them to build around for the future. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's bragging rights per se for those fans and, you know, in central Florida to South Florida. But uh, I think on the coaching staff side and the program side, I think Miami's going a little bit harder for this one uh, in that regard, even though Samson's a huge priority for both programs.
So where's your RPM pick for Thursday's decision? You know, as we record this, I still feel good about the University of Florida, Josh. I mean, again, we know nothing, nothing is final uh, in recruiting, you know, now more than ever. And, than and ever. even when he commits on Thursday, nothing's going to be done uh, until he signs those papers. But right now, come Thursday afternoon, I think at 4 p.m. Eastern, I do like where Florida sits for Samson Okunlola. Okay, let's stay in Gainesville and talk about four-star running back Mark Fletcher. He decommitted from Ohio State about a month ago. He was in Gainesville this weekend, says he's going to be in Coral Gables to visit Miami next weekend. But my question to you is, is he going to make his final decision at the early signing period, or is he going to take this thing to February? Right now, it looks like February, Josh. I mean, anything's possible there, too. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, schools are going to push Fletcher to try to sign early if they can get in his head and and try to say, hey, if you if you know where you want to go, why wait? Why put that stress on you and your family for a few weeks in, in, in January to kind of make that February 1 announcement when you may already know uh, here in December? But obviously his focus right now, I think, primarily is on the state championship game this weekend for American Heritage. You will have, you know, Florida and Miami coaches. Uh, Ohio State's trying to get back in there as well, but we know uh, it's likely down to the two in-state programs. So I do think right now uh, it sounds like out of the Fletcher camp that he'll take his recruitment into the new year. So then how significant are these December visits? I mean, it seems to me like if he's going to take it to February, maybe another team could come in and get him on campus and steal him away. Yeah, 100%. You know, if I'm a team and I feel confident that he's going to wait – which is a slippery slope because what happens if he does decide to go early and you want to hold your visit until January and you kind of miss that opportunity. So, I, you know, if you're Florida or Miami, the good thing about him visiting officially right now in December is he can easily take unofficials to both programs again if he needs to in January, whether he's driving to Coral Gables or driving to Gainesville, he can get there. But that does give other schools time to try to get in and get an official. Right now, it doesn't sound like he's going to look around too broadly, like it's just Florida and Miami in this race, whether it ends in December or in February. Okay, let's head over to Tuscaloosa over the weekend. Desmond Ricks, five-star corner, was there. Uh, He was at Florida last weekend. He has LSU this next weekend, right before signing day. What's the latest on five-star corner Desmond Ricks after his visit to Alabama? You know, not a lot. You know, that and that's just the way he wants it right now. No, nobody really has a great read. I think the people still that I communicate with, uh, you know, that somewhat have a connection to Rick still think, you know, LSU's the team to beat going through these official visits. Now, we know uh, that there was some higher confidence in Florida uh, when he left Gainesville last weekend. I think Alabama's been viewed uh, in this race likely as the number two team. Uh, heading into the weekend for the official visit to Bama. Um, And I still kind of hear the same type of narrative being that it's LSU at the top, Bama, and then Florida, but a pretty tight race between all three schools. I don't think anybody really has a great read or great feeling, and maybe not even Desmond Ricks, you know, who may be that order right now. He may be looking at all three schools the same way, taking these three visits in with him and his family, hearing those final pitches from each program. Uh, And we know NIL is a factor there, too. It's not just about playing time and development. Ricks has been very open about the right NIL deal in play, too. 
Um, so I think he's going to evaluate all three schools, maybe come back. He's going to announce on the 22nd, not the 21st. So he gets one extra day uh, to make that final decision and kind of have his own day, per se, uh, to announce his decision. So I don't think anybody really has a great feeling here, but the assumption is, based on the people I talk to, it's still LSU's maybe battle to lose uh, when it comes to Desmond Ricks. All right. Desmond Ricks Day is on the 22nd. Thanks for, for informing us yeah, of that. Yeah, that's about it there, huh? <laughs> Highlighted yeah. for the alarm. Chad, there's been a deafening silence coming out of the recruitment of five-star tight end Deuce Robinson. He's the number one tight end in the nation. And I seemingly haven't heard a whole lot about him or who he's interested in down the stretch. Is he planning on making a decision next week? You know, I hope Deuce watches this, and he'll love you saying it that way, Josh. I mean, he he loves to lay low. He doesn't like the spotlight on him. And when he does have the spotlight, he shifts that to, you know, his teammates, his family. That's the kind of kid uh, that he is, and, and that's kind of the way he'll take his recruitment, I think, to February. You know, I don't think Deuce signs uh, in December. Uh, I think if he did, that would surprise many uh, college programs. I think mm. I don't think anybody expects him to be an early decision guy. Obviously, for people that follow him, know he's a two-sport star. Uh, he's going to play baseball his senior year. Uh, he's going to get out to those senior showcases as far as draft potential uh, in Major League Baseball. And he's going to take his recruitment unless something major changes uh, into 2023. When you talk about schools involved, um, you know, right now I see three uh, that are heavily, heavily in the mix for Deuce Robinson, and that's Georgia, Texas, and USC. Uh, all three have been in for in homes. Bama's trying to hang around as well. Don't be surprised if he shows up at some point at Arizona State, an in-state program with Kenny Dillingham now being the uh, head coach there. But I don't think there'll be a major factor. I don't think Bama's a major factor right now. I think it's Georgia likely at the top and then Texas and USC right there in that top three. All right. Let's move to the Sunshine State. What's your feeling on Reuben Bain? He's the four-star edge from Miami Central. On the last show, you and I kind of did the math, and we figured out that if he is making his commitment a day before he goes on his Miami official visit, then we thought that he's heading to Miami. But this weekend, he takes an official visit to Florida State. Does that complicate things at all? You know, look, I, I think that, you know, he, he's seriously considering Florida State. I think he does like the coaching staff. He he obviously aware, is well aware of what happened uh, in that game this year between Florida State uh, and Miami, which Mike Norvell, uh, their, their program, really put a whipping on the Hurricanes in, down in South Florida. So he's well aware of maybe who had the better season, uh, what's going on in Tallahassee. He does like how personable Norvell and that staff is. Um, at Florida State, but I still like where Miami's at in the end. He has family connections at Miami. It's the local program. Uh, he sees the opportunity to play right away. And again, I think the timing still uh, plays in favor of the University of Miami. All right, let's move on to our Buffalo recruiting segment. You ready for this? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a staple. For, yes. the, for the new Inside Scoop segment, but yet consistently. If we're not talking Deion Sanders, it ain't the Inside Scoop. Over the weekend, four-star running back Dylan Edwards, who was previously committed to Notre Dame up until Thursday when he decommitted, committed to Colorado. He said, Coach, I'm coming. But, Chad, after his commitment, he gave this quote. 
I know a lot of guys that are about out there that are about to flip their commitments. They are all big power five guys with a lot of offers. Guys that are four and five stars. Nobody is safe in this situation recruiting-wise. Coach Dion's plan here is worth coming to look at, and recruits are going to want to do that, end quote. Whew. Chad, do you think we're only about eight, nine days from signing? Do you think Deion Sanders and Colorado are truly going to be a disruptor next week and, and land a four- or five-star recruit that nobody sees coming? A disruptor, you know, uh, yes, I would say at some level. I mean, obviously, uh, Dylan Edwards going from Notre Dame to Colorado is already being a disruptor. You know, Mm -hmm. I think other guys uh, are going to consider. Um, I don't know who. I'm not sure how many or at what level. Uh, But we know Deion Sanders, his name, his brand, his power is going to put eyes on Boulder, eyes on the Buffaloes. And obviously, Deion got his first big flip. Uh, there'll likely be others. To what level, uh, you know, to what ranking? Is it five-star, four-star, mid-four, low-four, three? That's to be determined. This time a year ago, we didn't think Travis Hunter was going to end up at Jackson State. He was a strong Florida State commit. Uh, he got Kevin Coleman to pick Jackson State over Miami. So we know Dion can do it and get it done, and it's likely to be done. I don't think Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Ryan Day feel threatened like that, but there's going to be some news coming out of Boulder this next week, next week to week and a half. It'll be fun to watch. Chad, go answer your phone. I could see during this whole time your phone's been going <laughs> off. So I know you got some new scoop. Go tend to those text messages. Go return the phone calls, and we'll talk to you on Thursday. Sounds good, guys. Thanks. All right. See you, Chad. Appreciate it, Chad. Thanks a lot. Oh, man. That, Chad's the best. Best in the biz. All right. Best so, in the biz. Busy phone. Very busy phone this time of year. I wanted to ask you, because you've been around the office. You sit right next to me upstairs. And when we're talking recruiting, which of these guys, which of these, some of these big decisions coming up intrigues you? You know, I think what we talked about with Chad with the whole Dante Moore conversation, I mean, with him now taking visits that are not very close to his home and having to go and make these plane flights and when he takes a visit, having it mean something, the quarterback's a big piece of your recruiting class, right? I mean, it's usually the first domino to fall that you recruit with. And so with the change at Oregon with Kenny Dillingham going to Arizona State, I think that's a piece that I'm really intrigued to see what he does leading up to signing day. And then also a guy like Nicholas Harper. I mean, a guy who's just... It sounds like at least a generational athlete who knows how he transitions to the you know next level. But mm-hmm. I'm excited to see where he ends up going because whoever gets him is getting a program changer. Yeah, you're basically talking about kind of pivot points for classes. These guys are the crown jewel of the class. They're going to come in. They have a chance to make a true impact right away as a freshman. And they're still taking visits a week out from signing day. And I think some of that's NIL, right? I mean, this is a little bit new in terms of the whole recruiting landscape. Like now, even more than before, not only do you have to recruit your current roster, but you have to consistently recruit your current commits harder than ever before leading up to and through them having the pen reach the paper. Yeah. Well, coaches are getting a ton of practice on convincing kids to go to their school. Uh, Let's transition to Sam Spiegelman, national recruiting analyst. He's ready, as always. Uh, Sam, four-star DB, JV and Toviano. I previewed him at the beginning of the show. He's making his decision this week. His recruitment has kind of been mysterious, but you've been on it. Who is it going to come down to? What are you hearing just about four or five days out from his commitment? Yeah, Josh, you know, we've, 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 we've documented this whole saga from saying that he made this decision going into his senior year, you know, the last week of August. Um, 
he says that that decision has has stayed put, um, and he's he's quietly made a couple of visits um, that haven't been reported, haven't been noticed on social media. Um, he's we know that he's been to LSU quite a few times since Brian Kelly took over the program. He's made multiple comparisons to the way that Bob Wager runs Arlington Martin, that's his head coach over there, to the way that Brian Kelly runs everything at LSU. We know that he officially visited uh, for the Southern game in September, then was back. Uh, for the Alabama game last month. We also know that he has been at some point, he has seen Texas A&M and he's also seen Baylor and he's also been to Texas. Um, Michigan got him for an official visit. Um, and at times he's spoken up Oregon, um, he's spoken up Ohio State, um, but it's Georgia who he did officially visit back in the spring as the fifth finalist. Um, I think ultimately this is coming down to whether he stays in state or out of state. If he stays in state, I like Texas's chances. Mm -hmm. um, I think that they're, I don't want to call them a dark horse because they were the first to ever offer JV and Toviano and they're the in-state school that if, if he were to stay in state that I think he would end up at. Um, I don't think um, the fact that we know about these public visits um, is a factor. I think they've continued to recruit him. He's, he's been all over the place from, from Texas A&M to LSU to Baylor. Um, and he's been sitting on his decision and he had some, interesting comments about the way that Texas has, has recruited him that, that really, you know, hit me that, that I took notice of. And the same goes for LSU, which is, has gotten him on campus the most. He's very open about that. Um, he talked about the history of, of, you know, elite DBs that come through LSU and that program's rich history. Um, so I think it comes down to those two. And again, we're sitting here wondering what will JV and Toviano finally do? What about your prediction? Have you put a pick in on the on three recruiting prediction machine? Yeah, my, my pick is on LSU. Um, I, I believe that actions speak louder than words and, and JVN, um, you know, he's, he's, his actions have certainly favored LSU because like I said, since Brian Kelly got there, he's visited LSU the most. Um, he's been there in the spring. He showed up there uh, in late July, despite having the opportunity to go to Austin or uh, College Station. Then he was back for the Southern game. That was his official visit. Um, we, we know that he raved about that time there. We know that he's got a great relationship with BK, with Robert Steeples, with Sherman Wilson. Um, LSU actually offered him late, and he's talked about the persistence that, that LSU has, has recruited him with as, as being one of the big factors going into Thursday's decision. All right. Well, that's a potentially huge close for LSU because they're also in the running for five-star cornerback Desmond Rick. So we'll see how that plays out with Toviano making his decision on Thursday and then Rick's on the day after signing day, the 22nd, Desmond Rick's day. <laughs> uh, let's stay in the state of Texas. Five-star defensive lineman David Hicks was on an unofficial visit to Oregon. This is significant because he is committed to the Texas A&M Aggies, but he's been looking around. Oklahoma is also involved. Number one defensive lineman in the country, number four player overall. What's going on here? Yeah, again, actions speak, loud, actions speak louder than words. And in this case, you know, he, he went out to Oregon earlier this season. Um, that, was a, that was a major uh, difference in, in this recruitment because he had he decided he was originally going to wait to commit till January and he expedited his timeline and committed to Texas A&M over Oklahoma at that time. We all know that that Oklahoma was trending on the RPM since the summer, since the, the barbecue in Norman. 
Um, Brent Venables was dreaming up of a ideal five stars, you know, late in defensive line coop headline by by David Hicks in the middle, the number one defensive lineman in the country. But A and M, of course, you talk about longevity with with him and, and Texas A M, his first big offer. Um, able to get him on campus before his decision in October. And, and now it seems that they're holding on for their dear life. Oregon now gets him twice on campus in two months. And there's a chance that he and he heads to Oklahoma at some point before a decision is finalized. Um, Texas A&M, it's definitely a precarious spot with a week to go before National Signing Day. Sam, in that same vein, knowing the kind of brand that Dan Lanning is bringing to Oregon, kind of that tough, physical, SEC style of ball, have you noticed more of a sense of urgency from Oregon for guys like David Hicks to build the trenches? 100%. Um, Dan Lanning is, is looking to keep what Oregon has been successful on the last you know half decade is inside on, on the offensive and defensive lines. Um, his staff is built to be an SEC, NFL-esque staff. And, and Dan Lanning recruited David Hicks when he was at Georgia, and that relationship is, is what has Oregon still in the mix. You know, from talking to people close to David, you know, everyone always says, you know, for kids this age that Oregon was a school they watched on TV and playing in the big games and the national championship, and that's right. And then when they go to Eugene twice and they're putting on those same jerseys and you're hearing other coaches say that this interest is real and it's something to watch out for, um, you tend to believe it. Um, I believe that Oregon is certainly a factor here. It's definitely a team to watch, and I'm also not overlooking Oklahoma, especially if they can get him on campus one last time. All right, five-star safety Peyton Bowen. His team was knocked out of the state playoffs in Texas this week, which is significant because you told me he would not even pay attention to recruiting until his senior season is over. Well, it's over. Now, the Notre Dame commitment has already come out a couple weeks ago and said that he's going to make a, quote, final decision. What's up for Peyton Bowen this week? Are teams coming in home to see him? Will he be making a visit this weekend? Give us the latest. Yeah, at this point, it, it seems to be that things are still quiet on the Peyton Bowen front. Um, I do believe that schools have been in home with him, and, and they've been coming in home despite this playoff run being front and center. Um, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, and Notre Dame have all been in home with Peyton Bowen. Um, at this point, you know, I, you know, I'm not going to discount Texas A&M. We talked about them kind of losing steam with JV and Toviano, another elite defensive back from the Dallas Metroplex. Um, but I, I do think this boils down to whether Peyton Bowen sticks with the Irish or ends up flipping. And if he does flip, I like Oklahoma's chances because wow. of Jay Belay and Grant Venables who have been on him. Um, you know, as, as long as as long as any other school in the in the mix, Marcus Freeman, his longest standing relationship. And I think that that's coming into play late. Um, you know, we've talked about the flip. It almost felt imminent at some point. And, and mm -hmm. I think the fact that Notre Dame has continued to kind of hit this home and, and really made him a priority. I, I, I like that they're gaining some steam at the right time. Um, but I do think Oklahoma is going to be hard to fend off down the stretch. And this is a huge recruitment. You think the world of Peyton Bowen, correct? I mean, you've gone on record stating that you think he could be one of the most impactful freshmen next year. Why is that? Yeah, Peyton Bowen is an absolute difference maker, and he's been doing this at Geyer for four years. And I think, you know, when you see an impact freshman at the high school level, um, you, you then get expectations for that player the next, you know, subsequent four years. And, and Peyton has not only met but exceeded those expectations that this analyst has set for him. And um, certainly, you know, when you see someone that makes a difference on, on three different phases, Peyton Bowen plays offense, defense, and special teams, and he is an 
a game changer in any of those regards. He's an instinctive safety. He flies to the football. He can lay the wood. Um, you know, and he's an outstanding punt returner. We've talked at, at length about, I don't even know why teams are kicking at 22 because he's, I think he's got at least five or six punt returns this season in the state championship last year. He was their best player on the offensive side of the ball, not named five-star quarterback, Jackson Arnold. He's an absolute stud. So if he goes to Notre Dame, I think he sees the field very early and I don't think it'll be hard if he goes to Oklahoma for the same to happen. All right. We'll see what happens. Sam, you're an absolute game changer on the inside scoop. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me guys. Be good. See you, bud. All right, next up, let's bring on Charles Power, Director of Scouting and Rankings for On3. Charles was at the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star Game over the weekend. And Charles, I know that you're a great evaluator, but you spent a ton of time being a great reporter as well. So I want a little bit of scoop from you. Peter Woods was there. The number, the, he's a five-star defensive lineman committed to Clemson. How did he look? But more importantly, what are you hearing about his recruitment? And his commitment. Yeah, Peter Woods was phenomenal. This is actually my first time seeing him in, in person um, at the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star practices. And uh, he was great. He was our on-three MVP from the practice. He actually really was so disruptive uh, in their Wednesday morning practice. He made it difficult for them to get plays off. Like, I really kind of felt kind of felt bad for the offensive line, the quarterbacks <laughs> at times. So, hey, he was a, it was a great showing. He was also the MVP of the game as well. So, you know, in a shocking development, Josh, the, the best players in practice were the best players in this all-star game. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Peter Woods, I think he surprised some people uh, in the state of Alabama when he committed to Clemson over Alabama right. back in July. And, you know, Josh, you know about Clemson's no-visit policy with their, with their commits. Um, so I, just kind of wanted to, I asked him, you know, are you, are you doing any in-homes with other coaches or thinking about taking an official anywhere else? And he said he's completely locked in with the Tigers. So I think it has to be really good uh, – you know, really good sign for, for Clemson. Good thing to hear this late in the process. Absolutely. The other guy that has everybody buzzing is four-star linebacker Sunturin Perkins. Uh, he is committed to Ole Miss, but Alabama has been calling. First of all, how did he look out there at the All-Star game? And second of all, what are you hearing about his recruitment? Yeah, Sunturin Perkins was phenomenal in practice and the game. Also, my first time getting to see him in person. Guy who just – everything about him, Josh, just screams top prospect. Uh, he looks like a creative player at linebacker. He's just rangy, very long, made plays all over the field. He's a dominant high school player as a as a running back linebacker. And but this we we have to focus on him just strictly at linebacker in this game. I practice, and that was a, kind of revelatory. He looked like one of the top linebackers in the cycle for sure. Um, you know, with his recruitment, you know, Sontarian Perkins has been committed to Ole Miss for over two years. I think he committed right. maybe around like the Egg Bowl time in in 2020. Uh, but, but Alabama has continued to recruit him hard among other schools. I think Alabama really is, is the main school you would watch if, if, you're, if you're looking for a potential late flip. Um, you know, I, I talked to him uh, after practice, and you know, like Lane, Lane Kiffin and Alabama DC, Pete Golding were at his state championship game where he just completely went off. He had 330 yards. It was just a historic performance uh, for him. They were both at the game, and, and I talked to him after practice, and he admitted Alabama is his dream school. Um, so, so I, I think there's the, the, the attraction there has been real for, for a while. Um, so I guess the kind of, you know, the, to fast forward a little bit after, after, after the practice in the game, his OV to Ole Miss happened directly after the game. I think he went from Mobile to Oxford. And on, on, on Sunday night, we saw him tweet out a graphic saying he's 1,000% committed to Ole Miss, locked in. So 
Uh, I think if you're Ole Miss, you have to feel good about that coming out of, uh, you know, the weekend. But again, this is recruiting, and you know, we know it's it's not over till till he signs. And I think we'll have to see, uh, you know, first off, if he takes any other visits. I'm sure I'm sure Alabama will be trying to get in home, see if he takes a, any more visits before signing day. And really, I think with with Santarian Perkins, I think the watch is to see if he does ultimately sign early. There was some talk that he may not sign early. He might extend his recruitment into February. So I think that's that's where you're watching. But if you're Ole Miss, I think you have to feel pretty good coming out of his official visit. Yeah, a thousand percent committed. What could go wrong between now and signing never day when you're before. a Yeah, it's never <laughs> happened before. All right, Charles, give me a few other names of guys that stood out to you at these practices. Yeah, so I, I would say Peter Woods and, and Centarian Perkins would be the, the top two in practice in the game. And, and you know if you're projecting overall, I think Centarian Perkins showed the most as a prospect relative to his position. Um, he just looked just phenomenal. Um, I, I think, you know, other guys who stood out to me, it was my first time seeing Yonze Pierre, top 50 Alabama edge, edge commit. He actually practiced with the linebackers uh, throughout the week, so we didn't get to see quite as much pass rush opportunities, but when they went live into like 11 on 11 uh, situations in practice, we got to see that a little bit. And, 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 and then in the game too, I actually, I watched the game on Saturday, went back and watched it. Uh, on Sunday, just to kind of go through and focus on individual players, and, and Yonze Pierre was 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 great. He looked like one of the top you know pass rushers in the Southeast, if not the the country, um, just with his bends and, and ability to, to disrupt off the edge, uh, make plays in pursuit. So he he was was really good, um, you know. And, and I, another another guy too, Josh. You know, when you go to these All Star games, especially these regional All Star games, you kind of have a guy or two who might pop up or you just kind of surprise, kind of takes you, you know, catches you off guard a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, that guy for me was, was Mississippi State corner commit Kelly Jones. He is uh, 6'3 plus. He's a high school quarterback. He's from uh, the Mississippi Delta. I think he probably was a little under the radar in terms of just, you know, national exposure coming into this. I think he was kind of a, a mid three star across mm -hmm. the board. Um, it, like, like I said, plays quarterback and like made a lot of safety for his high school team. But we got to see him play corner out there. He is huge, uh, six three plus, very long. Um, he's got a frame to probably hold over two hundred pounds. Kind of reminds you of the the corners that you see Mississippi State have now with you know Emmanuel Forbes. Uh, they just have had this, these big angular corners, and he looks like the, that next guy. Um, had multiple interceptions, pass breakups in practice, uh, and actually got an offer from Ole Miss on Wednesday after he, you know, the really strong practices on Tuesday and Wednesday. So uh, I don't think that was a coincidence at all. Um, so maybe we'll, that, that's another something we'll have to watch from a recruiting standpoint. But um, he's a four-star for on three now. Um, I think he'll probably continue to move up in the rankings as we adjust him in January. Uh, but those would be the guys that really uh, stood out to me. Charles, one of the benefits, obviously, of these all-star games is you get to see some of these guys in a little bit of a higher competition atmosphere, you know, playing against – better competition than maybe we saw them play against in the fall. When you're talking about just next season, guys who were top performers at the All-Star game, who do you think could be a guy that will make headlines next fall wherever they end up playing college ball? I would I would probably go with Peter Woods in terms of being able to play. Uh, Peter Woods is – he comes from a, a, a top uh, high school program in Alabama and in Thompson and Alabaster. He is – been very well coached up he's polished he's ready to go he's not going to blow you away from like a size perspective he's around probably around 6'2 I probably would put him at 290 but but just with his ability to convert speed to power and just how technical he is you can move him all over the defensive line he was lining up at, at end um, you put him over the center kind of just pick your pick your matchup and, and he can 
go to work. Um, I think when you look at Clemson's defensive line, like what they're losing on the front, uh, I think he's just what the doctor ordered for, for Clemson. I think he could come in and for sure and, and, be, and be ready to play. Um, you know, he, relative to you know, some of these prospects, I think we'll, we'll need a year or two in, in the weight room to develop. Like Yonze Pierre is a guy like that who I think you'll see him kind of take off physically after a year or so at, at Alabama. Um, but, but I think Pierre Woods is going to be ready to go at Clemson next fall. Charles, thanks for joining us on the Inside Scoop. Always appreciate all the intel that you bring. Sure thing. Yeah, you got it. A blue chip, a true five-star. He is, he is, true absolutely. So, J.D., we come to the end of the show. You rode shotgun once again successfully. What did you learn today on the Inside Scoop? Yeah, you know, I think talking to Chad and talking to Charles and Sam, one of the things that keeps on coming up is – this thought of will they stick, right? Like, is this top guy that's been committed for however long, will he stick? Right. And so with that being said, Deion Sanders now armed with the power five firepower and already having flipped Dylan Edwards, I think just how real of a player he's going to be with this stretch of signing day and how tight some of these coaches are having to hold on to the recruits, uh, just how real the player Dion is going to be in flipping some of these top guys now to get them to Boulder. So that's one of the things I learned and uh, excited to continue to learn as we get closer and yeah. closer to some of these guys putting pen to paper. It's a big game of musical chairs. Big game of musical chairs. Except yeah. the winner, it's kind of like their career could be hinging on this game yeah. of musical chairs. You know what I mean? High so, stakes. For me, what did I learn? I learned that Samson Okunlola is kind his decision on Thursday, I think, is gonna set the tone for the in-state Florida programs because whoever lands Samson Okunlola is gonna have the upper hand in finishing strong deciding. Mm. Whether you're Miami, whether you're Florida, you wanna win this battle because you've been duking it out on the trail this entire season, this entire cycle. And now we're coming to the end, and it's all about how you finish. So I am really intrigued to see who Samson Okunlowa chooses on Thursday. Pancake Hacha, baby. Coming All down right. to it. And we will be back on Thursday. Thanks for joining the Inside Scoop. Thank you for watching. Make sure you smash that subscribe button for me. And remember to check out all the videos on the On3 YouTube page.